Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Hello, hello. Lindsay here. I just wanted to put a little disclaimer on this episode. There were some audio issues during recording and during editing. We did the best we could to clean it up for you, but there are still some little issues in there. So just do the best you can. We did the best we could. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. Lindsay here and I'm sitting here with Paige. We're having some hella tech issues and I, I hate the <laughs> word hella, but so you know if I use it, it's it's extreme. We're on take 76 of this episode. Well, just kidding. It feels like 76. Say hi, Paige. Hey guys, we actually cannot retain an internet connection to save our lives, but we've decided it is because we have something exciting in the works that we are nervous about trying to resist a little bit. So we're trying to embrace it and be open to what we're working on and that the universe is providing for us. It's actually really exciting. So Lindsay, will you start with a little bit of an intro of what we are potentially resisting, but working on currently? Yeah. And so if this sounds too woo-woo to you, sorry, but we're woo-woo. So, Fast forward um, 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be fine. Uh, so we are creating a, you're nervous. We don't have a, a solid name for it yet. I've gone back and forth on a hundred things. Um, page and I need to know it's like mindful parenting in your nervous system. It's a four week intensive support program where we help you implement nervous system regulation techniques that are specific to your nervous system. Because where most people get caught up is they take the masterclass and then it's the implementing that's hard and everybody's nervous system is so different that it can be really tricky. And as humans, we know that we need accountability to make long lasting change changes to our brain. So we're working on getting all that together. And I've heard recently that if you're experiencing tech issues, when you're trying to do something important, it is because there is some resistance or fear surrounding it. So we have been thinking that this resistance tech issues is related to um, us being a little bit fearful or a little bit resistant that maybe we can't handle the next level of success, right? Because there's been a lot of interest in this program and it makes me a little nervous. Does it make you a little nervous? I think so, but also excited and passionate because the implementation of regulating your nervous system to show up as the parent that you want to be is really where the barrier comes when we're working through this with our um clients or people that have attended the masterclass before. It's like, we give you all of this wonderful information and we give you the tools to use. And then it feels incredibly overwhelming in the moment to use it. So I think part of it is scary because we're creating something out of nothing, right? We're creating the course content based on our knowledge to serve a very specific population. And I think the other part is really exciting because we get to support the people that we're passionate about supporting with the content we're passionate about in a way that they can implement it and use it like as soon as possible for real solutions. Yeah. 
yeah, I think you're exactly right. Nail on the head. So hopefully now that we've expressed our fears verbally, the tech issues will stop. We'll see, but stay tuned because it's in the works. We're going to have a wait list. It's going to be tailored to each person specifically, which will feel really nice. Um, We actually were reviewing some of the feedback from our last workshop that we did on this topic. And there was a phrase that I loved that I'm going to share. And one of the participants um, shared with us, she said that I am finally learning to show up as the mother that my child deserves and the mother that I deserve to be. Oh, I could cry. I know. So that is my hope, my goal, my intention in launching this new product is to support more women in healing to show up as the parent their child deserves, but more importantly, as the mother that they deserve to be. And I just want to speak for a quick second before we get into like the content, the meat of today's episode about the connection between the nervous system and ADHD, because it may seem like we're all over the place and we are little because that's ADHD, right? But, Mm -hmm. but, but it's so interconnected. The nervous system is so connected in everything, including ADHD. When your nervous system is regulated, your symptoms or the things that are difficult when you have ADHD are much easier to rise to the occasion and um, create systems for, or it's just easier to function, right? And overstimulation Mm -hmm. triggers fight or flight and trying to operate in a neurotypical way when your neurodiverse will keep you in low fight or flight probably for the rest of your life if you don't make that shift and heal your nervous system and learn about your ADHD. So it's so Mm -hmm. interconnected and the nervous system really is at the base of everything. Yeah, I agree. And learning about proper sensory input can heal you emotionally and learning how your brain works with that sensory input, which is a very divergent trait, um, helps you figure out how to move your body into a state of calm so you can be the mother that you deserve to be. Yes. And with that, let's get into chapter four. Yeah. So if you're, if this is the first episode you're listening to of this season, we are basing the episodes on a book called Your Brain is Not Broken by Dr. What's her name? Hey, I always forget every time. That's okay. I'm really bad at remembering authors. So I have it written down Tamara Rosier. Your Brain's Not Broken Strategies for Navigating Your Emotions in Life with ADHD. And this is uh, chapter four. It'll probably be split into two episodes. But so just so you know, if you want to get the book, reference it, that's kind of what we're talking about today. But you don't need the book to follow this podcast. We're going to just break it down for you and explain it and give our own input and um, suggestions. So you don't need the book, but if you want it, there it is. So we're going to talk about like monkey mind or rabbit holes in ADHD thinking. and. If you have ADHD and you're listening to this or you suspect you have ADHD, you know that the thoughts are at rapid speed all the time. And a fun fact or like a did you know that women with ADHD, their hyperactivity generally presents as overactive mind. So a lot of thoughts all the time. Age, is that something Mm -hmm. you knew before today? It is, but I think that's only because I specialize in working with neurodivergent people and in anxiety because there's a very specific difference in rumination versus internal hyperactivity. And while you can have both, some people don't. 
And it can be misinterpreted in women as like having extreme generalized anxiety when really you're ADHD. Yeah. And so that happened to me personally. I was medicated for anxiety from the age of like 18 to 30. And um, then when I was diagnosed with ADHD, I took, and not everybody needs medication, but I took my first day of medication. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, I thought I had anxiety my whole life. And this was really just ADHD. Um, and it wasn't just like it's, there's still pieces there, but, um, it's changed my life knowing that, that the hyperactivity in my brain is due to ADHD. And if I, um, respond as such, like in my behaviors, in, uh, my lifestyle, then I'm much better off and much happier as a human being. Yes. I love this because when I'm thinking of rabbit, going down the rabbit hole, monkey brain, um, internal hyperactivity, it was really hard for me to define as a person, right? Because when I'm ruminating, what I'm doing is I'm thinking of one thing over and over and over again, playing the same scenario for that one thing over and over and over again. I'm trying to come up with solutions. I'm reviewing the same list over and over and over again. When we're experiencing internal hyperactivity, this very specific form of thinking, we are um, I think about how I exist just with my actions and I'm like, okay, if I can apply this and then understand it, I'm going to make this mind body connection where I'm in literally just happened today. I was making a pot of soup. And so I filled up a container with, you know, two cups of water, I, my measuring cup, put it in my bowl of soup, left the hot water running, and then went over to the fridge to get eggs, to fry eggs because I was hungry and I wanted to eat breakfast while I had this pot. But on my way there, I remembered because of the sound that I left the water on, and that's probably not great for the environment. So with the fridge open, I turned around and turned off the faucet. I like walked back across the kitchen, turned off the faucet, turned back around, went to the fridge, got my eggs out, and finally shut the door to the fridge. And I was like, okay, this, this is my physical manifestation of internal hyperactivity. So if your thoughts are like mine, what I physically did in the kitchen where I'm bouncing from the sink to the stove, to the fridge. Oh, halfway through the fridge, I'm going back to the sink because I actually didn't finish that. And now I'm going back to the fridge to try to finish that while also trying not to burn the soup because how many times have I tried to burn down my house? Way too many. That if you can imagine that and apply it to your thinking of like the bouncing around, that is internal hyperactivity. Yes. And cooking with ADHD is a shit show that I, I was <laughs> laughing on the inside because that is how I like live my life. Like Tim's always like, why is the fridge open? Why is the stove on, but not the fan? Why is the fan on, but not the stove? Why, why'd you leave the oven on? Why is the water running? Like he's, he's, he's that dad. We give him dad <laughs> jokes about that. Cause he's always like, why is the fridge open? But it's because I just, I get moving and that my brain just goes from one thing to another. And I think there is flow in that um, as long, as long as you can like wrap it back up. But sometimes it's not great time management. And if you're trying to complete one specific task, it can be a little, you know. Um, something else I wanted to talk about though, is when we talk about like rumination is something that ADHD brains do. And it's not discussed in this chapter, but I think it plays into it. Cause when we're talking about your thinking, this may be something that comes to you. It's called auto rehearsal. So people who are neurodivergent, this includes people with autism, but also with ADHD often do something where they uh, plan their day out in their head the night before, or as it's happening, like, how am I going to approach this conversation? How am I going to respond to this text message to this email? Um, and those, these are all things that I do too. And I see so much in myself. Um, 
especially if we have to do something hard or we're nervous about something. And it's a way of one, prepping our brain to do the really hard task, getting that dopamine mm-hmm. ready to go. The other piece is I just, my brain just totally went blank on the other piece. For prepping our brain. Oh, and, and working me- and working memory and working memory. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Irony. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Leave that in because it is so that that is it, right? Um, it's yeah. working memory. So if if I plan exactly how I'm gonna respond to this email, then I'll remember like to respond to it and what I'm gonna say mm-hmm. in it and all of those things. Or um, so rumination and auto rehearsal can feel a little bit similar and sometimes they overlap. So mm-hmm. don't think because you have auto rehearsal that you automatically have anxiety or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, see working memory. It's shaded. working memory. I love that. And if we apply this to our kids, okay, as adults, this is exhausting. I can't tell you how many times I'm in the middle of a sentence and then it just totally drops off because I'm not actively rehearsing the sentence beforehand. Right. So I happened to me this morning in the middle of a counseling session where I was like, this happened. And then I can't remember what I was about to say. So let's move on to the next thing we're talking about. Right. Like it happens. So if we apply this to our children, if you think about how mentally exhausting that is for a person that we're not physically hyperactive necessarily, but internally hyperactive, we're constantly going to overcome some of these deficiencies as a tiny child, when you already have limited reserves and you have to mask all day at school and like, think about using this skill of auto rehearsing at school to overcome working memory difficulties. Like, Good golly. Oh, you came back. Okay. The other thing with auto rehearsal that can come up is when things don't go as planned. So say you rehearse your whole day in your head and then everything goes um, to crap. That's where the emotionality piece can come out because it feels Mm -hmm. hard to function in your day when you don't have those skills that you've relied on to help remember things, to help plan. It's, It's not going as you expected. So keep that in mind when you're listening to this episode as well. Yeah, yeah which means trans- transitions okay. can be really hard. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like if I've planned all day, like I'm planning on taking my kids swimming, indoor swimming at the YMCA on Saturday. If I wake up that morning and something happens and one of the kids is sick, I'm going to have an unsettled internal feeling because I'm having to adjust because I'm having to transition unexpectedly without that level of rehearsal. So now I'm like, okay, how how am I going to feel okay with that? And then it's learning, you know, the skills of like riding the wave, the things that we're going to talk about later, but there's a very real internal, like unsettled feeling of urgency now because I'm having to pivot. And that applies to your neurodivergent kiddos as well. So how often when we talk about these um, neurodivergent kids, we think like they struggle when things are not the same, like their routine is thrown off. Well, yeah, because I struggle when my routine is thrown off and they usually don't have the brain development and the skill to manage that level of emotionality. Most of the time, I don't think that I have the brain development and the skills to manage that <laughs> level of emotionality. So how can I my neurodivergent children to do it? You know, so that that's why those things are so tricky and understanding the why can sometimes help us be more empathetic to our kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. A little bit later, um, I will cover some skills for this first part of the chapter, the things we're talking about, like coping with transitions, 
um, how to identify specifically like auto rehearsal versus rumination or when you should be concerned. And then we're going to probably talk through skills of like mental flexibility. Um, and I'm going to share one of my, my best kept parenting secret and I love it. And it's going to be something that's included in our newest venture also when we talk about parenting and the nervous system. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's two types of thinking. There's convergent thinking and divergent thinking. I want you to guess which one neurodivergent people use. Um, I know, but do I still have to guess? Well, yeah, I mean, it's right in the name, right? So divergent <laughs> thinking. So oh, that's thinking clever. No, I didn't is... realize that. Oh my God, let's what? pause for a second. <laughs> of course it's divergent thinking. Oh my gosh, because you're neurodivergent. <laughs> You better leave that in. Please oh leave my that God. in. That is All right. See, this is ADHD life. Okay. Um, so to, let's talk convergent thinking first. Convergent thinking brings information together to solve a problem or solution. Divergent thinking is nonlinear, creative, out of the box. There's twists, there's turns, there's tangents, right? And if you've had a conversation with either of us, it is that's what it's like. There's twists, there's turns, there's tangents. We get to them eventually, but we take the the long and winding road to get there, right? Um, convergent thinking is I'm going to focus on the problem, take only the information that I need. I'm not going to ask why. I'm not going to ask how. I'm just going to do it. Um, and kids naturally tend to be more divergent thinkers. And this is something I want to emphasize. It's not in the book, but it's a personal belief I have. I think that uh, conditioning in society, we we kind of train that out of of ourselves, of humans, by mm -hmm. um, doing things in a way that require um, one answer to one problem, right? Like there's only a right answer. And kids naturally are more flexible thinkers. And the superpower that ADHD people have is that we still have this capacity, maybe at a higher level than neurotypical adults who um, have been more conditioned. So yay, mm. that's one thing we have going for us. Uh, anything to say on that page? No, I like no. it. I hadn't thought about the concept of societal conditioning of the neurodivergence. Cause if you think about it in parenting, I don't want you to ask me why, right? Typically, hopefully that's not where we're, the space we're in now or we're working at to be in that space, but it's like, I don't want you to ask me why I want you to do what I said from point A to point B. And my kiddos are like, but I just want to know why, like, why am I doing that? Like, they want it to make sense to them, which is a much windier road. Yeah. And, um, and even like thinking about this in a way that's more divergent thinking, like how all these aspects of our society contribute to how we think and how we're told to think and problem solve it's not that one is necessarily better than the other but I think we're conditioned to believe that convergent thinking is more productive more beneficial it's efficient, more efficient. yeah that's the word I was looking for it's more efficient yeah than it's capitalism divergent thinking. it is yeah I'm exactly. like we're trained on capitalism we it's are. a conspiracy all the way to the top it probably is I think um, that's a really unique perspective on it, especially when it comes to children and to think about how so much of the problem solving 
like the way I want you to do anything. So I was reading over some of my notes yesterday because I had to take like a um, speech class or something in college. I can't even remember what the name is. But what I was reading was very interesting because it was like, you have to dress appropriately and you have to smile. And I was like, but what if I don't want to smile? Like, what if I'm telling the story and I'm making other facial expressions? And I'm like, I know that sounds like a silly example, but just the reading point for point, the things that they expected and what would classify a good speech or a good presentation was very interesting and not something that I would feel like would have come naturally to to the process of how my brain works. Yeah. And I think even taught how we're taught to like do research, like there's like the scientific method and you do these steps in this order. And if you stray from this, then, you know, it's not a sound science experiment. And I get why those things are in place, but also I think there, we need to leave room in our society and our lives for more creative out of the box different directions all at once yeah you know what's such a good example of this math and teaching math to kids and understanding math in general I firmly believe and this is just an oddball belief that I have after working in the school systems for the last decade that it is more like the children each person learns math differently so when you try to teach math that's why some kids resonate really well with like one math teacher versus another. And I'm like, I think it depends on how you learn. And it made me think of like the show your work concept. And I used to be so annoyed in school because I'm like, what is it? Why does it matter? The process of which I got there. My answer is correct. It made sense to me. But now I'm missing points because I didn't do it the way you said I needed to do it. But I got the right answer and I get the right answer every time doing the way that makes sense to me. Yeah, I thought that was that you show your work so you didn't cheat. Really? That's I never how I always that. always understood showing your work was like I was like to show that you actually did this. You didn't look at your neighbor's paper and write down thirty eight or whatever. So, you know, what I'm hearing is I could have probably been cheating this whole time on math, and I wasn't. Dang, I'm learning so much today. Paige, you really are. You're really <laughs> learning a lot about your brain today. And I love it. <laughs> so the, the benefits of divergent thinking are increased curiosity. Now, this is something we talk about a lot on this podcast, approaching things with curiosity. If you have a neurodivergent brain, you're likely to ha have more, more capacity to think divergently, which means you have more of a capacity to approach things from a place of curiosity. Meaning in parenting, you can ask what's happening here. Why is it yourself? What's happening? Why is this happening from a curious place? And it helps you find patterns and answers to what is going on with yourself and your child. It's so cool. Your brain's already primed. So you just kind of have to tap into it, right? The mm -hmm. other thing is creativity. So we often think of creativity as like arts and crafts. Creativity is not just crafts. And this is a belief I had to undo in myself for a long time because I'm not an arts and crafty person and I didn't ever think I was creative, but I, now I'm creative. Now that I'm like running a business, I'm like, oh damn, I am. Yeah. I am an out of the box thinker and I am the creative. The most creative. And, oh, thank you. Um, You're welcome. But 
this is also like a regulation win because you can get um, one people who are more creative. Creativity helps you regulate your nervous system. And if you find that that you feel creative, you can do that more easily, but also you could come up with more solutions to regulate your nervous system. So say you're on a train a and you're having a hard time regulating and you can't use your normal skill, your out of the box thinking can help you think of a way to use that skill. Today, I made a standing desk when I don't have one. And that was my divergent thinking. Like my creativity in the moment helped me figure out a solution to a problem that I had, which is yes. that I have to stand up and I don't have a standing desk. Can I ask you something? Sure. I want to know if increased creativity, like naturally or developed, because it's a skill we can develop, um, if we feel like it leads us to be inherently more resilient. Probably because it lends so. to, flexi to flexibility, right? Like if you can create, you can be flexible in your thinking, which um, if you're flexible in your thinking, then you're resilient because you're better at solving problems. Yes. Can I tell my you? Of my... Go ahead. Can I tell you a story of uh, when I was in my master's program? Yeah. That this reminded me of. Okay. Buckle up team. It's a ride, which I like to say, and we've talked about this before. Like I get into shenanigans. It's just part of the ADHD. Is this me. another shenanigan? It's another shenanigan. So, oh, okay. I'm ready. I was um, postpartum, my third kiddo. And TMI okay. so fast forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear about hormone fluctuations and periods. Totally fine with me. But I had such a heavy flow that a lot of the times I would need to pack extra clothes with me or I would wear an adult diaper because I just, I'm like, I'm on board with the pens. They're sexy. I don't, I don't care what you say. I don't care what your husband says. I don't care what your wife says. My adult depends are sexy AF. Okay. Um, so I went and I had to go in person. I was only in person once a month. So I was in person and I dressed like to impress with my professors, because I was trying to lead the honor society, which I did anyways, uh, <clears throat> just saying. And um, in the middle of it, I remember I started my period in the middle of class, and it was like an all day class. And I had went through my pants. And so we had this like one hour lunch break. And I was like, okay, this is where the divergent thinking comes in. I'm like, I didn't pack extra clothes. And I don't want to be sitting in this classroom for another six hours. Uh, like bleeding all over the place because it's just going to get worse. So what I did is I took my lunch break and I went to the closest store, which was Target. And I bought a pair of black leggings because black leggings are life, literally wearing a pair right now. And I was like, okay, cool. Going to get these leggings, eat my lunch on the go, get back to class. I got back to my car and my car wouldn't start because somehow the battery had died. Like no telltale symptoms or anything. So I'm like, okay, I'm in Phoenix, which is over an hour away from my house. And my husband is at work and <laughs> I'm at Target stranded in the parking lot. At least I have clean pants. My battery died. So then I was like, okay, how am I going to get back to class? Because there's a deadline. Like you have to be back or you don't count for attendance. And if I don't get attendance, I don't get my degree. So I Googled the closest um, car repair shop and it was like right down the road, only half a mile down the road. So I cornered somebody in the parking lot and I, I felt like I did it well, but it was probably not well. And I was like, hey, can you give me a jump? Like, will you jump my car, please? 
I'm stuck. I didn't give him the whole the whole story because that would be uncomfortable. Normally I do. I was like, hey, please jump my car. I'm stranded. So he jumped my car. I drove it down the road to the nearest auto shop. And I was like, hey, can you please look at my car? Can you look at it today? And can you be done by five o'clock when I get out of class? And they were like, sure, we're going to do our best. So then I was like, and by the way, I'm stranded. Can you drive me the hour back to my university or the uh, mile back to my university and drop me off while you work on my car? And they were like, we don't really provide rides. And I was like, so I'm just kind of stuck here. I'm really like, I just need help. And they're like, yeah, that's okay. We'll do it. Twist my arm. So I went from literally bleeding all over myself to Target, changed my clothes, stranded in the parking lot, got a stranger to jump my car in Phoenix, which is very scary. Drove it to the auto shop, convinced them to give me a ride back to my university. And I got to back to class before the deadline. And I had texted my professor and was like, I might be late. This is what happened. Anyways, total success. I made it back. And then I walked in the classroom and he was like, this is a great example of resiliency. And so now that we're talking, I'm like, I feel like this is a great example of divergent thinking. Like I've always had a theme that got me out of all of my shenanigans and it's literally where there's a will, there's a way. And it's the out of box thinking that helps me come up with solutions for things that I'm encountering. So can I tell you how we figured out how to get home in our snowstorm? Yeah. Have I talked about, I don't think I've talked about the snowstorm on the podcast. No. Okay. So I went to Mexico mid-January with nine other adults. It was five couples. So much fun. We were, when we're coming back, there was this huge ice storm in Dallas. And if you've ever been to Dallas, they are not really used to ice storms there. And it was one of the top 10 scariest things I've ever been through in my life. So we'd gotten delayed a few days. Everyone wanted to get home. Our kids were all freaking out. And they were saying it was, we were supposed to be home Monday. It was Tuesday by this point, maybe Wednesday morning. And they were saying we weren't going to get home till Saturday. And I was like, okay, there's got to be another way to do this. So, uh, and I was like in full on fight or flight. I was kind of feeding off the energy because everyone around me was anxious. We were all just anxious. So I was like, okay, I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to figure this out. So I did a meditation and my friends, <laughs> my friends are kind of chuckling me because I was like under a blanket, like my eyes closed, like but the, the blanket pulled up to like my chin and I sat up and I was like, okay, I think I have a plan. And they, they looked at me and, um, So I was looking at the storm. The storm was moving a certain direction, right? Because so we were in Dallas and there were like three airports we could drive to Houston, um, uh, Oklahoma or Albuquerque. Albuquerque was the farthest away, but Houston and Oklahoma were both about to get caught in the storm. So um, all the flights were like pretty full there too. So it was really hard to get on them. So I thought, well, the storm's moving that way. What if we drove this other way? And we drove in a that would get us out of the storm quickest and the most safely. So it wasn't as dangerous as people were saying it is. We go to Albuquerque, catch a flight for Albuquerque, from Albuquerque. Apparently I'm the first person that thought of this because there it was easy to get a flight out of Albuquerque. And that's what we did. And um, I didn't realize it now, but it was definitely my divergent thinking. Like, oh, we can do this, right? And to go back to nervous system regulation, like I had to be regulated to be able to even have that idea. If I hadn't been, I would have just been stuck in like, okay, how are we going to get out of here? I can't be stuck here till Saturday um, rather than like, what can I do to help myself in this situation? I 100% agree. And I think that's something that we forget 
Like we have, oh, there was a quote that I loved in the book that I can't remember now, but it talked about how people that are neurodivergent have wildly creative imaginations, which helps helps us come up with wildly creative solutions. Um, And I totally resonate with that. And I wonder now how many of our listeners have experiences or stories that maybe it felt like they were coming up across all of these barriers over and over and over again. However, if you're here, chances are you're neurodivergent. And that's actually a strength that we have is being able to think of -of out-of-the-box solutions. I just want to encourage everyone listening to find a way to reframe that. Like think of experiences you've had where you really, really struggled, but in the end it worked in your favor, right? And we can say a lot of things, God, the universe, whatever resonates with you, but truly your ability to tap, well, one, regulate your nervous system, amen, but to tap into your ability for creative problem solving helped you overcome that. And that is the strength that not everybody has. That is definitely a superhero moment. Yeah. I felt like a superhero too. When they were like, you I are. can't believe you thought of that. I was like, oh, oh. You are. And actually, I think this is a good place to stop. That was a ton. I almost cussed. I'm trying really hard not to do that. That was a ton of information just in general um, right now about our thinking and our thinking patterns and some really solid examples. So I think this would be a good place for us to wrap it up. Lindsay, and then I have a quote I want to end with, and then we can um, get excited about part two of this. To wrap it up, I want to share some divergent thinkers through history, just so you can feel like you are in a good crowd. So we're talking Einstein, Galileo, Mozart, and Leonardo da Vinci. So the most creative people in the entire world, when people think of creativity, when they think of innovation, these are the people that they think of, and these are all divergent thinkers. I love that. And I actually have a quote from another, I would consider divergent thinker, Robert Frost. And I think a lot of us have heard it, but to approach it differently, like literally divergent is in the term divergent thinking. We're going to find the word diverge in this quote also, just draw on that connection. But thinking about all of our examples and the things we've experienced and what has helped us become successful. Here's the quote, two roads diverged in a woods and I I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Love it. See you next week. Next week. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.